You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Most of them, did you get Andrew here? No? Okay. Andrew, uh, once again, I need to talk to you after the service. Um, <laughs> it's good to see you, buddy. All right. Um, and then the last thing I'll just let you know as we go, as I step into the message today, um, while I was away, I was actually sick for a couple days, and when I came back, I still can't hear out of my right ear. So um, if you agree strongly with some of the things I'm saying in my message, if the, if the people on this side could be a little louder, and those amens were a little louder, that would be, that would be great. Um, we're talking today, so we've been walking through a series uh, that's based on what, what traditionally has been called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5 through to chapter 7. And really what Jesus is doing in this, in this sermon is he's saying, if you are going to be a part of my family, if you are going to be my friend, this is how you ought to live your life. If you're going to put my name on your life, this is how it should look when you engage with other people. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about other people. And specifically in what we're going to look at today, Jesus is talking about the way we think of others and the way we speak to others. We can have words that bring life or we can have words that bring death and damage. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt like this before. Got some pictures here. Now, I don't, listen, I don't know if you've ever spent time on YouTube just looking at babies get mad, but uh, I don't do a lot of that, but if you want to have a good laugh today, uh, maybe you felt like this guy. <laughs> <That's a little laughs> and sometimes you have a right to be angry. Sometimes you have a right to be angry. I think this, this little one has a right to be angry. So the question for us today, the question that we're posing is, how do we respond to the world? What was that, bud? An octopus. It's an octopus. That's right. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep, you're right. It's an octopus. Absolutely. Would you like, would you like something like that? Do you want an outfit like that? Yeah? Okay. Well, we're going to be taking an offering after the service, and we'll see what we can, we can see what we get. But then you have to wear it to church for the next year. You don't, oh, you don't have it and you don't want it. Okay. Um, we all have different ways that we, that we respond when, when we, are, we are angry. And we have different statements that, that we come up with. And I can remember when I was a kid, uh, if someone upset me or said something that I thought wasn't true, we had great sayings like, liar, liar, pants on fire. Which I've never seen anyone's pants go on fire. Never came in, was never true. Uh, one of my favorites was, I'm rubber, you're glue, everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. When I was a kid, we had this great one. It was something like, um, um, na, 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 na. That one I really liked. Somewhere along the line, it changed to na, 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 boo, boo. And I don't know why or when it changed to that or what that means. Kids aren't the only ones who have, who have sayings they have when they're being maybe a little irritated. Um, adults have them too. Uh, one of the favorite parent ones is in a minute, which means I hope you forget. Uh, because I said so, which means I'm not sure why, but I feel strongly about it. <laughs> when I was a kid, one of the popular ones was sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that one's been around for a long time, but it's not true. I don't buy that at all. If you throw something at me, I at least have an, you might have bad aim 
or I might be agile. But if someone throws a curse at you, if someone throws harsh words at you, there's no getting out of the way. They're very easy to throw, and they're very difficult to get out of the way from. And many of us adults here, many of us uh, young people here, we can remember things that were said to us this week that are still attached to us. Things that are very hurtful. I can think of things back when I was 10 years old that people said to me that I still remember and that were hurtful. I would rather someone throw something at me than curse me with their words. And it's amazing how easy it can be for you and I to toss words at somebody. Maybe they're not around, so we maybe can justify it a little bit, but there's something going on in our hearts when we do that. But we learn from the world these days, I would say specifically these days, how we ought to engage with others. And if that someone throws something evil at you, you throw it back and maybe a little harder and maybe you'll intimidate them from doing any more. We see that in politics. We see that in ideologies. So how do we deal with this? What does Jesus invite us to do? How do we keep ourselves from hurting others with our words. Well, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. And you know what? I am going to invite you to stand. If you're new to the church and kids, maybe you're not in here when we always do this, but this is out of respect for God's word. This is something that was done in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scripture. When, when, the, when scripture was read in public, people would stand out of respect. Matthew 5, 21 to 26. Jesus says this to his disciples and to you and I. You've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Literally, it means you're, you're living a path that leads that way. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person. Make peace with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on, this is another, an, another situation. When you're on your way to court with your adversary, someone who has justified something against you, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge. And wh- who will hand you over to an officer? And then you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Everything that Jesus is saying here is about how you and I show that we are loved by Jesus. How does that show to everyone around us. God, I pray that you would speak to us uh, this morning through your word. And God, I pray that we would, we would be so ready to hear from you and not just take it in so we have more knowledge, but that we would be ready to leave this place and apply what you have said to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Take a seat. As I mentioned already, everything that's going on in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus saying that our lives ought to be a reminder to others that God loves them. The way, think of that. The way you and I live our lives, when we look at other people who scriptures say have been made in the image of God, we should be a constant reminder to them that they are loved by God. Have you ever seen yourself as that kind of an instrument in people's lives? For your siblings, Maybe. How we act with other people, talk about other people, treat other people should show that we are friends with Jesus. Now, hate to do this to you, but think over this last week, how you've engaged with people. Engage with the person that cut you off in traffic. Engage with the person online. Was your first thought, how can I show this person how much they are loved by God? (laughs) Or was it to take the rules of engagement that 
many of us have grown up with, that we see in media. I have things that I do when I've been offended, when I don't think highly of people. Um, I don't know. Well, okay. What are some things you do when, some, when you're unimpressed with somebody? Oh, well, perfect here. Okay. <laughs> wow. I do the eye roll. The eye roll, is a, it's, a good, it's a good tool. The, the dismissive eye roll, that's a good one. <sighs> Whatever. That's one of my faves. Sometimes I, when the kids are around, I say, oh, brother. I used to, when people used to cut me off, and I would maybe use that word, idiot. I, you should never use that word that Jesus used there. And I was like, idiot. Then I had kids. Then the kids grew up. And they're like, yeah, idiot. No, that's not good. You don't want that from the back seat. So then I started changing the way I would say things. And if someone cut me off or, or did something silly driving, I would say something like, it's not the way I would have done it. But the kids know exactly what I mean. But anyway, I try to, or, or, or that's an interesting choice. That, that may, maybe I do something like that. <laughs> but part of what Jesus is, is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is, is the kind of upside-downedness of his kingdom. That where the world would say, fight back and fight back hard, fill yourself with pride, get more people on your team, and push back, Jesus would say, that's not my kingdom. All that does is perpetuate hurt and perpetuate darkness. That's the world's default. The problem with, with always hitting back is that it never ends. It just keeps going. Jesus says, my kingdom is like, is like a wedge. It's like a stop sign to murder and to hatred and to putting people down. My kingdom fights back, fights back and it wins by offering a new way of engaging with each other. Where the world speaks hurt and seeks revenge and lives full of pride, we speak life to others. We seek peace with others and we live humbly with others. That's what I want us to leave with this morning. As friends of Jesus, we're called to speak life to others, seek peace with others, and live humbly with others. First, friends of Jesus speak life to others. Life has been spoken into our life. We now are conduits of that joy. Now, what does that mean, to speak life? All of us, we've had people who've put us down. We've also had people who've encouraged us. What does that do to us when we're encouraged? Apparently, it takes five encouragements to do battle with one negative thing. Have you ever heard of that? And people aren't getting a lot of positives these days. So it's important that we speak into people's lives. In the Proverbs, it talks about what happens when we speak life to people, speak good words. The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry, jewelry fit just for you. I love that. Gracious speech is like clover honey, good taste to the soul, quick energy for the body. It's amazing the power that we have in our words, and yet we're so quick to just throw out anything without giving it some important thought. We're invited to have that kind of power on people's lives, to breathe life into them. We have the power to give energy to people's souls. Did you, did you realize the power that we have in words? Some people around us maybe don't come from loving families, don't come from people who've, who've encouraged them, are not surrounded by people who encourage them. And as friends of Jesus, if we claim to be friends with Jesus, those who are already a part of his kingdom, we get the honor of loving other people with words. 
So friends of Jesus need to speak life to others. Secondly, friends of Jesus seek peace with others. This is such an old-fashioned idea, <laughs> to seek peace with others, and it's so hard sometimes. But Jesus says this. He says in verses 23 to 24, listen, if you're worshiping, if you're worshiping and while you're, you're heading, you're about to raise your hands in worship, uh, Marika and the team have got up and you're, you're about to lift your hands in worship and you go, oh no, I've offended this person and there's still this, this broken in, brokenness in our relationship. Jesus says, stop it. Stop worshiping. Go and deal with that person and then come and worship. You can't worship God while you have animosity towards somebody. You can't worship God wholeheartedly when you've refused to, to ask forgiveness or seek peace with those who are made in his image. Uh, John, an early follower of Jesus, said this in one of his letters in 1 John 4. He says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. You want to experience more relationship with God? Drop everything and go and ask forgiveness from someone you've offended. Repair a relationship and you'll have a better relationship with God. The person who refuses to love does not know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. It's like a bird who can't fly. It's like a cheetah who can't run. Our worship will never be what it can be if we refuse to seek out peace with each other. Our relationship with God, with Jesus, will never be what it could be if we need to ask forgiveness of someone or make peace with someone and we, we refuse to. Makes you think. We show up here to worship and, and all the while we, there, are, there are people we have, we've written off in our lives. People we've, we've called idiots. People we've rolled our eyes at and dismissed. Now I know all the adults in here right now are glad that this is just a message for the kids. You think, oh good, I don't have to deal with it. It's just something for the kids today. The, one early letter written to the church says this in Ephesians. It says, watch the way that you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Oh, if we could be more careful with our words so that each word is a gift. Friends of Jesus seek peace with others. Of course we seek peace with others. That was Jesus left his throne on high to take on flesh, to go to the cross, to die, to create a new community that is all about peace. You and I are here because Jesus died to create a community of peace. Of course, if we call him our friend, we're going to be seekers of peace with others. Thirdly, friends of Jesus live humbly with others. See, when we live humble lives, it actually gives power to our words. When we live lives of pride, it takes away the power of our words. What does humility mean? Someone give me an idea of what humility means. What's humility? It's not about me. It's not about me. That's good. Right? You don't have to be right. Have to be right. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Especially when there's a hundred people behind me watching what I type on Facebook. You've got to be right. You don't have to be right. A willingness to let go of thinking that we are more important than the other. That we must always be justified. We must always have the last word. That is not easy. But when we do it, we're more like Jesus. 
When we give up our rights, when we're willing to take abuse without going back after that person, we are more like Jesus than in any other scenario. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave and became human. In, in today's scripture, Jesus talks about walking with someone. The last section, he talks about walking with someone who's upset with you. Justified, justifiedly so. Because you have done something wrong to them. He says, don't be prideful. Don't just walk with them till the end of the line. Confess and ask forgiveness. And Jesus explains that we can cut short a long trip down a very negative path. And his parable goes on and on to being convicted and then being, being thrown into prison. It's, it's hyperbolic. It, it's going over the top to make a point. You can cut a long, difficult journey short by dropping pride, being humble, and saying, I made a mistake. Uh, someone I, I love very much very recently was accused of saying a handful of things. Some of them were justified and some of them were not. But I tell you, when someone accuses you of something, our immediate response is this. But one of the, the greatest ways that we can immediately end that difficulty is to simply absorb it and say, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. It's not easy and it's something that takes practice. One of the greatest things that, that I was taught in my life through, through my father was the ability to say, yeah, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. And the minute we do that, when we're accused of something, we've disarmed it. We've disarmed it. I don't know if any of you have ever studied Shotokan Karate, but Shotokan Karate is the idea of using the power of your enemy, or your, your enemy was really strong there, your sparring partner, to use the energy of your sparring partner kind of against them and let it kind of move by and, and let, let it go past. This is not Shotokan Karate, just to be clear. I just said <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> but the idea is that the power that comes at you, you guide to go right past you. And in the same way, and I've, I've seen this happen in my own life, when someone has come at me heated, very angry, and says, you did this and you hurt me, and I say, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. That was so wrong. You, you're never more Christ-like than when you absorb. When you, when you take in, even injustice at times, and go, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Without any excuse, without any uh, bits added on. We put a stop to it so quick. The problem with, with many of us, with myself at times, is my pride is so high that I'll walk so far down the road, coming up with all sorts of reasons why uh, I am right and they are wrong, when, when simply dropping my pride and saying, for everything that I've done, I apologize, you are right. I am so imperfect, and I'm thankful that God is still working on me, but you are right, I shouldn't have done that. We can immediately disarm and stop a long journey down a very difficult road. But unfortunately, myself, we as humans have something called pride. And pride is the enemy of humility. And pride is the enemy of life. It'll steal relationship. It'll steal um, uh, peace and unity. Pride keeps us from saying sorry. Pride keeps us from admitting we've made a mistake. But also, pride makes us lonely. 
because it tells others that we don't need them and we're not concerned with being in relationship with them. And that's the exact opposite of what Jesus wants for you. It's the exact opposite of what he wants for me. The church is about community. It's about friends and family and about welcoming others into that family. If you are not a Christ follower, if you're, you, you're, this is brand new to you, part of what it means to, to give your life to Jesus, to say, yeah, I want his authority over my life, to step into his kingdom, is to immediately be part of the global historical church. And you can travel anywhere in the world and you have brothers and sisters who, who love you. That's, that's the beauty of step. That's why when we come to Jesus, it's not just an individual decision that just affects me. You're stepping into something much larger, much more beautiful. Words have always been important, and I'll, I'll end on this. Words have always been important. We read this throughout Scripture, an important part of what God is doing. In fact, the Bible describes Jesus as a word, as God's word word, his revelation to humanity. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says this. It says, nope, there we go. The word was first, so speaking of Jesus, existing before all things. The word present to God, God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness, and darkness couldn't put it out. In other words, God revealed himself like a spoken word through his son, Jesus Christ. And what is that message? It is life, and it is light. And if you have come to Christ, you have been welcomed into the light that he shines into our hearts and into our minds, and then invites you and I to be conduits of that life and that light into the lives of other people. And boy, do we live in a world that needs life and light shined into it. We live among people who are the living dead, who feel unseen, unknown, and unloved. And you and I have the power, we've been gifted with the gospel, the good news, to speak life into people, to declare that they are seen and known and loved by God. Jesus, the word, invites us to be a part of his word of life, to bring life and light to other people. It's a big responsibility, and boy, is it ever needed today. It's needed in our schools, it's needed in our families, it's needed in our workplaces. Speak life, to speak peace, powered by humility, which makes our words stronger. So guys, that's today's invitation, to be a part of what God wants to do in in our families, in our community, in this church, to be his mouthpiece, his microphone, and to speak life into others. So after the service, the kids, when you're done, you filled out your, your, your bingo card. Hopefully I hit all the words. If I didn't hit all the words, come up to me afterwards. I'll give them to you. You're gonna leave here with little inflatable microphones. To remind you the power that God has given you to speak life into other people. And so, hey, I invite you, as we're all out there enjoying hot dogs, to run around and speak life into people. What are some, what are some nice things we can say to people? What are ways we can encourage people today? I love you. I love you. <laughs> Aidez-moi. Yes. Wonderful. How was your day? How was your day? Yeah. 
letting people know that they're seen and you actually care about them. Fantastic. We can ask about family. We can ask how school is doing. We can say how, how great someone is dressed today, how great they look. Ask some real questions about pe where people are at. Remembering people's names. That's always a good one too. <laughs> Especially in a church when we see people every once in a while. Hmm? All right. So I invite you, and this is not just for the kids, obviously, you're going to have so many opportunities today to roll your eyes. <laughs> Might be to the person sitting next to you. I'm just, maybe. You're going to have reason before you get home to raise a fist at somebody who did something, something I wouldn't have done. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. Um, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. And hey, for those of us with kids, we've got people watching. What is, how is our, uh, the invitation to speak life, the invitation to drop pride and live in humility, to live at peace with others, how is that being manifest and how are we living that out for those who are watching us? And as those who are Christ followers, we step out of this building and we attach Jesus' name to us and people from outside the church go, I don't see that person speaking life. I don't see that person living to be at peace with others. I don't see a lot of humility in that person's life. The only way we get more of that is reminding ourselves of the story that we've been invited into. Of how far from God we were, how alien we were from God, and how he invited us in with life. Let's pray. God, as we, as we head out of this building, as we spend time in community, first of all, I pray that we would be thankful for the gift of family. I pray that we would be thankful for the gift that it is to come here on a Sunday and see that we are all part of this beautiful story that you've written us into, that we are not flying solo, that we are not walking into chaos alone, that we are seen and we are known and we are loved. So may we be conduits of your grace and your love, your word of life and light to each other, even today as we spend time uh, eating together. Be at work in us. May we take on the very humility of Jesus who gave up everything to, to rescue us from ourselves. Holy Spirit, fill us. Give us joy. Give us counsel. Give us comfort. And may we use the amazing, the incredible power of words to encourage others with the very grace and joy that you've given us as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, guys, before I leave you with a benediction, and if you're, if you're new to church, you're wondering what a benediction is, a benediction is just kind of a blessing that's meant to remind you that when you leave here, God goes with you, that you're, you're not leaving his presence as you leave this, this place. But I want to invite you to speak life into those around us. And one of the most important ways we can do that and nurture that in ourselves is to remind ourselves of the grace and the life that have been shown us. Uh, John again writes this, and you can show it behind me. It says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We were called children of God, and that's who we really are. We're invited to live that out in our words. And then I'm going to invite you to stand. Let me leave you with these words. An early Christian by the name of Paul, he says this, and most of you have probably heard a, a bit of a different version, but he says this, in all the struggles that we face, he says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us.
I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Let's live out that truth today and this week. Amen. God. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.